No, you just do the whole thing. I'll sit here in silence. Okay. <laughs> I mean, is it psycho or is it just great planning? I'm like, why are we out here? Because <laughs> they, they love the game. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do not want to hit a little white golf ball around. Welcome to another episode of Henny and Hallie Women with Game. I'm Hallie Ledbetter. And I'm Henny Koyak. All right. Well, Henny, this is exciting stuff because I I did see you. Oh, funnily enough, I'm wearing my US Open hat right now, the country club. But this yeah. was the last time that I saw you, which wasn't super long ago. But I mean, our paths don't cross, surprisingly, for working, you know, in the same industry and for the same company. We don't see each other too much. So I'm very, very excited to see you in a couple of days. I am super excited to see you and I'm even more excited that it's in London. I know it's not at a golf course. Although we know I do love, do love being at golf courses, but it's going to be in London and we're going to have some full English breakfast. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I haven't been to London since before the pandemic and my whole dad's side of the family is over there. My 98. The purpose of this trip really came from because we normally go over in the summer, but the purpose of this trip came from my 98 year old great aunt who is just this incredible woman. And she just um, moved. She was living on her own until now. And she just now moved into a um, like a convalescent home um, just because she she fell a couple uh, a couple months ago and broke her hip and it's just, you know, it's time to, you need to have someone around just in case, yeah. you know, something bad happened. So, um, but she's really, you know, she's super with it. She's really sharp. And I really want my boyfriend to meet her. Um, she's just so fun. And so we're going to make a little trip out of it. We're going to play some golf. We're going to see you. We're going to see her and it's going to be really great. I love that. What a great story. I love yeah. old women that are awesome. I just really hope for that for myself. Me too. I had actually the thought the other day, because how tall are you, honey? Five, seven. Okay. Five. See, I'm five, eight, almost five, nine. And I always, you know how you always hear like little old ladies, like little <laughs> old ladies are really cute. And yeah. Tall old ladies are kind of scary. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to be a tall old lady. I want to be a little cute, petite old lady. But you'll shrink as you get maybe. older. So well, yeah. Five inches. Oh, yeah. No, well, maybe not five inches, but all of your spinal fluid will just all disappear. Oh. And you'll just go chunk, 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 chunk. Oh, and then good. maybe you'll even have a little hunt. You can stoop as oh, an old I lady. Can stoop, hunch you can over. Stoop onto your Zimmer frame. Okay, uh, so that's another few inches. So I think between the degeneration of your physical body and your stooping to your Zimmer frame, you may get to five foot three. Oh, excellent. Okay, good. There's hope for me yet to be a, to yeah. be a cute little old lady. Absolutely. Also, if you shuffle and have like the old lady short gray curly haircut, then you'll be fine. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm, I've got it all planned it. out. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to... Um, be like what's her name uh iris apple who has like the crazy style with the big old glasses the mm. colorful style and like the mm. big bracelets because you can basically when you're an old lady say whatever you want and wear whatever you want and it's okay yeah. mm. so i'm just mm. really excited for that time of my life to be as inappropriate as possible and wear whatever the hell i want um, right because at that point in your life they're like we can't change her just let her be no. 
you know, and like the back of your, your mind, you're just like saying these most ridiculous <laughs> things because you know that no one's going to bother trying to <laughs> c- correct you or, you know, say, oh, you shouldn't say that granny. <laughs> exactly. That is, it's a hundred percent. I think there's different like categories of old granny. There's like sweet old granny, dirty old granny, inappropriate <laughs> old granny. Like there's a whole a few different categories of personas that yeah. I think you can really choose which one, which avenue you'd like to go which, down. Which so. granny? Yeah, but I feel yeah. You, uh, I think it's something. At what age? I mean, I guess it depends if you you know if you don't have kids to have grandkids. That's another thing to consider. You know, right? If you're not, are you're not really a granny? Then you're just an old lady. I I think uh, perhaps. Facts don't matter. Yeah. At that point, you could just, just print off some pictures of some toddlers and just and be like, oh, go out in the these wild. Are my and... grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, if you don't have grandkids, you could be ninety-eight years old and going out in bars. I yeah. mean, there's no age upper age limit. That's true. Age that, limit. that is very true. That is very true. I could be. So, I could be a club and a club and old granny. I could see that actually. Yeah. Um. But we digress. I am super excited to see you and go for our fry up. And it's almost like, I think it's more fun seeing each other in the wild than seeing each other at golf courses. Because when we see each other at golf courses, it's like, hi, hey, how are you? Okay, sorry, I just have to go do this interview. I have to go do this feature. And we barely get to really have proper conversations. I think Mm -hmm. most of our lengthy conversations are on the phone versus at golf tournaments. So yeah. It'll be fun to, and I'm I'm gonna bring Kaya as well. Oh yay! Oh, who likes so to fun. have lengthy conversations now? Excellent. Well, yes. Billy and I will be ready for that, um, and I'm looking forward to it. She'll um, speak to you a lot about Paddington bubbles uh, and clapping. Paddington, love mm. that. I mm. love Paddington Bear. <laughs> yes, her favorite. Up. She calls it Paddy. Paddy. Oh, yeah. that's so cute. Paddy. So, so at, at bedtime, we always read a Paddy book and she goes, Paddy book? Or oh. Paddy TV? What kind of accent do you think she's going to have? Oh, it's so English. It's really it? funny. Yeah. Oh. It's very, um, like a little bit Essex, Ooh. actually. Um, <laughs> so if any any man that she meets, they have man in front of their name. So Billy will be man Billy. Oh. Um and so there was a guy, we're having a lot of work done on our house at the moment. And uh, there was a guy called Joe who came in, who comes and do- does all our stuff. And um, she calls him Man Joe. Mm. But instead of saying that normally, she says it in, in an Essex accent. Uh, so she goes, Man Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we were in Paris recently, for I was doing a DP World Tour event, she discovered cake, which is ironic and slightly concerning i hope she's not going down the marie antoinette route but mm. um yeah she found cake and she pronounces it cake oh, <laughs> I didn't know that's why. So, so cute she currently has a little essex accent where she's like manjo cake oh i love like english accents are are lovely but little kids with english accents are like <laughs> mummy <laughs> it's It's so so funny yeah it's so funny and by the way um for those of you listening wondering why Hallie is allowed to do an English accent um it is because 
of her dad's side of the family that she is half English. So yes, I am. That I do have d- dual by proxy is allowed. I'm debating whether when Billy and I go through customs, do I just whip out my British passport and be 100%. like, yeah. When else are you going to? <laughs> yeah. Have fun on that line, sucker. <laughs> and then come back to him with a cup of tea and be like, well, this is how it's done. Yeah, this is how it's done. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, All right. Well, wait. um, we we don't really have a great link other than we are going to see each other and you are going to tell me how I should order some custom head covers because you've been so enthralled by your patch of different colors that you can choose from your custom head covers, which was sent to you by our next guest. Yes. Jan Craig, really excited to talk to her today. I got introduced to Jan. She messaged me on Instagram and asked me if I would like some custom head covers. And I was like, um, is the sky blue? Like, yeah. <laughs> so I checked out her website. Turns out really, really incredible story. And we're going to let Jan, um, Jan tell it, but her and her whole family is really um, just, you know, sort of sums up our entire theme of women with game and golf. And it's a, a really, really cool story. And uh, I can't wait for, for you guys to hear it. Let's take a listen. All right. We are so happy to be joined here by Jen. Um, Jen, thank you for coming on to the pod. It's a pleasure to have you. And um, we were literally just figuring out in our saying hi, when you hopped onto the phone call, we were all just figuring out how we would know each other and where we went to college. And the thing that I got from it, obviously being over in England now, is just how small the golf world is. Because Hallie was saying she played college golf against some girls that went to your college. And you were like, oh, I know this girl who's working for Titleist. And it's all just such a small world. Um, I guess I know it's a family owned business and it's your grandmother that started it um tell us please if you will the story behind your involvement within the company and how that all came to be um for you sure it is absolutely a small world and i am being reminded of that i've been in golf my whole life adjacently because of the business um, and have always known that but it's become even more relevant now that i've stepped in to take over the business we are actually celebrating our 60th year at Jan Craig Head Covers this year. So yeah. thank you. It's Congrats. six decades of history to cover. So I'll try to make it concise, <laughs> but I apologize. Yeah, no, start at the beginning. It's such an interesting story. I mean, it, I was reading, um, like, well, we'll get into a little bit about how we got connected, uh, which I talked about briefly in our intro, but um, just such a cool story. And I, when you, when you wrote in your note to me, like, check it out on our website, I went and I was like, oh my goodness, it's so cool. So yeah, please, please tell the story. Yeah, I really appreciate that because I'm obviously biased being that it's family history. So it's nice to hear that other people are intrigued by it. So our history starts in 1962 in Cincinnati, Ohio, where my grandparents lived, my dad's parents. Um, their whole relationship was really rooted in golf and it flourished in golf. And like Hallie kind of references, there's some amazing stories about them both individually and as a couple playing golf, we can get into more of those nitty gritty later. Um, But the long story short of it is that they couldn't find a set of head covers that they loved um, either at their pro shop or wherever you shopped for head covers in the sixties. So my grandma started knitting sets for the two of them. And over time, their friends and different members at their clubs started asking if she would knit them sets. 
Uh, and after she got so bogged down and started spending more time knitting than she did golfing, my grandpa said, we got to make this a business. We have to do something with this. Um, and after a while, while this was kind of growing, um, a young amateur named Jack Nicholas was coming up also in Ohio. And he saw the sets on some people's bags, tracked my grandma down and asked her to make him a set. Um, fast forward, he really kind of used them almost his entire career. Um, so those, our older generation of fans, I'll say, know us from those days. Um, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, all users throughout their career. Um, we're so lucky that they found their way to us. Um, and it really just started by coincidence in Cincinnati. Um, newer generations kind of recognize us from being on various Ryder Cup teams and on some LPGA players bags now. Um, so it really started completely organically. Um, unfortunately, my grandma passed away in 1977. So I never had a chance to meet her. Uh, it was pretty sudden and unexpected. Her brother-in-law and his wife took over, excuse me, her brother and his wife took over the business um, and they ran it for about 30 years because my dad, the eldest son was young when she passed away. So they ran it for about 30 years. And then when my dad reached the age and the point in his full-time career that he had some time for it, he took over. So then he and my mom ran it for um, a good bit of time till about two, two and a half years ago when I decided it was time to take the plunge. So that's how we got to third generation me and where we are now. That's incredible. Thank you. That's so, so cool. Um, Jan, I have a question just mm -hmm. selfishly for me from coming from someone that, you know, had a dad that was in golf and the whole family was in golf. And I was just like, oh, I don't want anything to do with this. And then I got sucked in and, you know, very happy that I, that I did. And I love the game and I love everybody in it. But was that sort of always something that you wanted to do or were, were you like, no, no head covers, not for me. Talk a little about that. Sure. It's really interesting kind of reflecting on it. And in hindsight, thinking about my interest in it, I had the same story with golf that I was really born into it. Like I would imagine I was swinging plastic clubs before I could walk based on the way my dad is obsessed with it. Um, so I kind of resisted it for a bit. And then around seventh, eighth grade, I started noticing that I was getting a little better and accepted that, okay, maybe this is fun. And maybe it's not something that my dad has to drive me to do every weekend. Um, played in high school. And then the competitiveness of that and just being so focused on it, I didn't really have an interest in playing in college. I also wasn't good enough to play in college. So took a break and then post-grad dove back into it. Uh, but as far as the business goes, I kind of dip my toes in here and there, um, spent some summers, quote unquote, interning, um, doing various customer service and social media roles when I would come home from college and stuff. Uh, but I was a journalism major and always had ambitions to work um, on the editorial side of things. So, and Golf Digest was actually somewhere that I always kind of dreamed of working for because it was the crossover between my love for journalism um, I love for golf. And then, you know, I always looked to the fashion and style section. Um, so it was kind of, it all converged there. So looking back, I was much more interested than I realized at the time. Um, and then the stars just kind of aligned right before COVID. Our longtime general manager, she had been with us for maybe five years, um, close family friend, decided she wanted to go to law school. 
And I was getting pretty fed up with my career in the corporate world. So I just decided now's the time and jumped right in. It's it's really interesting, isn't it? When you look back at things and you mm-hmm. realize actually how things were versus at the time you're like, no, I'm not into golf. Mm-hmm. I really like journalism and fashion. And, and I think all those things probably made you the person you are today in terms of the perspective that you have in this position in the company now. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about, I guess, for anyone wondering as a younger person, hey, what would it be like? I've always, someone who may be similar to you, who had like an interest in all these different things and wondering what it would be like to run their own company within the golf space. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about, <laughs> about that and perhaps what your day-to-day looks like and what are some of the challenges you face and what are some of the parts that you enjoy the most? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I have um, the unique experience of not being a founder. Um, I'm lucky enough that I was the loyalty that stands that's with our business um, and all of our fans, followers, and supporters. Um, that really was grown by the generations before me, which I'm so grateful for. Uh, so I cannot speak to founders, and I have so much respect for founders, especially female founders, because. The challenges that I faced just as a business owner and someone who runs a business, even though it was established before me, they're crazy. Mm. So to have founding um, and dealing with running a startup on top of that, I cannot say enough about how much respect I have for those people. Um, But it really is, it's so interesting thinking about my journalism major and how much pressure I put on myself in those classes that I was interested in. And now I'm applying some skills, but not the traditional skills that I would have thought I needed. Um, And it's really trial by fire and kind of a lot of fake it till you make it. So I have listened to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books from other business owners and people in similar positions to me that talk about that. And I've really learned it myself now that it's confidence is hard, but you really got to run with the confidence because you'll eventually find your way and learn what you need to learn. Um, but you don't necessarily need the manual and every step figured out before you dive in. Um, it's really something that you kind of just figure out along the way. Um, and something I've been surprised by is the community here. It is unbelievable. The small world kind of harking back to that. The people that I've met and been connected to like you guys and especially other females in the space. It is not BS when people say, reach out. I'd love to help. Yada, yada, yada. There is so much proof in the pudding. And I've just been blown away by the support of the community. It's really crazy. So I'd encourage anybody long-winded answer, but I've been really pleasantly surprised with the connections I've made and the genuine support there. So if anybody is looking to jump in, um, it's a good, good company to be in. I love that. And Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say you have as many long-winded answers as you want because this is all about you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't exactly. have traditional coworkers, so this is exciting for me to be able to chat with people. <laughs> <laughs> well, the pleasure is all ours. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, just sort of referencing what you said about being such a small world. Obviously, I have seen Jan Craig head covers everywhere, but I had never really known what they were or the story behind it. Um, I think when I first became familiar w- with you guys was when um, you did the collaboration with Gruder Golf, yes. which um, we've had Jen Corcoran on our podcast and they do such awesome stuff. So that kind of goes back to women supporting women. 
which is really neat. Um, I do want to go back to, you mentioned, you know, you're not a founder, you're carrying on this family business, which is amazing. The woman that did found it, your grandmother, she has a really, really cool story about how she got into the game. Um, so if you wouldn't mind sharing that. Not at all. Um, so she really did not play much. Um, and she met my grandpa and they hit it off and legend has it. I wasn't there, but according to his folklore, their first conversation involved want to go play some golf. Um, he then was deployed and served. And while he was deployed, she practiced and learned how to play so that by the time he came back, she said, Hey, want to go play some golf? And she came close to kicking his butt. Um, and they just, they both individually were fantastic golfers. She played in, I'm going to try to remember all of this, a Western Am, a women's Am at a USAM and a US Women's Open. Um, actually at, where was the, at Kenwood, where um, that LPGA tournament just was held. So that was the crazy small world. Um, and Amazing. she won countless um, club championships at her course. Uh and they're, they had a famous tradition every anniversary, they would play Pinehurst number two and they called it the hopeless open. And they, I wish I had it here. It's in my parents' house. They had their own trophy and every year they would inscribe the winner. Um, and they just had such a good time with it. Um, went to Scotland on their honeymoon, which I also did last April, partially inspired by them. Um, so I like to say she gave me her name, but she did not give me her golfing ability. She gave me the <laughs> for it, but I don't hold a candle to what I've heard her ability is. Um, she just, from what I know, from what I've learned from my family and from customers that had the pleasure of knowing her, she just was the most incredible, fascinating woman. So to be able to keep her name alive and that legacy alive with every head cover we send, it just means so, so much more um, than I think our customers would ever really wrap their heads around. It's so incredible. Hallie told me before we interviewed you that you have such a great story um, and your family does too, but actually just listening to it, you guys need your own movie. That's some, <laughs> sounds like some woman. I love their relationship. She sounds formidable, but fun and just like the perfect sort of balance. Yeah. How old was she then when she picked up golf? Oh gosh. I don't know. It, I'm guessing it would have been early twenties. Um, I do think that she played growing up, um, not in an intense sort of manner. She didn't start completely from scratch, uh, but it wasn't until she met my grandpa that it really, she, she really got into it. I actually was reading as we were, as I was kind of prepping for this and thinking about what we might talk about, I was reading, we have so many old newspaper clippings and, um, press hits, if you will, from her kind of heyday and her prime when she was playing. And there was a quote, she said something about how she was either gonna learn how to get better at golf or become a golf widow when my grandpa played all the time. And she would not stand for the latter, which (laughs) that's kind of how I feel now. But every time my husband goes to tee it up, I'm like, all right, let's go. I'm right there with you. I love that. I I have two questions that are, completely unrelated to each other but have just been popping into my head hearing you talk and the first one I was just before we recorded just on the phone to someone at Sky um because there was the London NFL game this weekend Mm -hmm. and we watched it and they have an incredible woman on there Phoebe Schechter who 
actually Hella we should invite onto the pod because she's awesome. She was a coach, tight end coach for the Buffalo Bills. And she was in the studio and um, Kaya, my daughter is nearly two and she is very aware of like girls and boys and what girls and boys do and what their bodies look like and just sort of all the things within girls and boys. And she was sitting in front of the TV, like watching and she went, girl, football. (laughs) So it's this incredible moment. And people say it to me all the time um, with what I do and the visibility of being a woman within golf and sort of a, you got to see it to believe it and know that you can do that too. And I guess hearing you talk about your grandmother, how much did her and her story and legacy and founding this company uh, and her relationship with golf influence you do you think and your personality and what you felt was capable that was a terrible ending to that question but of what you felt you were capable of yeah it really is a great question I wish I could say I you know constantly look to her as a north star or anything like that but because I never met her and because the business has existed my whole life I honestly didn't give it as much thought as one might think. And it is kind of only in hindsight that I'm realizing and appreciating what she did. Um, I was pushed into golf at an early age, like I said, but I was lucky enough to meet some of my very best friends. Um, Two of my, my two best friends from high school who are still some of my closest friends were bridesmaids in my wedding earlier this year. We literally met on the putting green on the first day of high school golf tryouts. So I have been really blessed with the people in my life who play golf. It's never felt lonely. Um, It has obviously at times been intimidating being a woman in golf, but I not nearly as intimidating as it could be because I had people to get into it with um, and kind of have the journey with me. Um, But it's amazing just thinking about her. And if I can't complain about being a woman in golf, because I have always felt relatively included. And even the days that I feel a little excluded or just, I have to try a little harder. I think about how difficult it must've been for her in the sixties and seventies to be doing what she did. It's unbelievable. Um, And it really inspires me now because from what I know, she absolutely didn't let it get to her. She just forged on and she felt she belonged there. So she did. Um, and I'm sure she proved a lot of people wrong whenever she stepped up to the D. So I think about that a lot more today. Um, and I get to meet some amazing people, you guys included. This really is like college me would be very proud of myself right now. And no shade to you guys are the other cool people that I meet. But honestly, the highlight of the job is when a customer calls and says, oh, I worked directly with your grandma and tells me some story because I didn't get to meet her. So uh-huh. getting to know her through running the business has been awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, Okay, so my second uh, completely unrelated question here, I'm going off on a million different tangents, but I just want to pick up on something you said earlier about um, feeling pressure during when you were struggling, uh, not struggling, but when you were doing your journalism courses and you were said you felt extra pressure to sort of get everything right. Because I've been reflecting a little bit lately on um feeling pressure not just in work but I think as a mother as well and I was just sort of thinking uh watching my husband who was just sitting there so carefree and relaxed despite the fact that there were a million things to do around us um (laughs) and I was just thinking about the fact that as women I think we just put so much pressure on ourselves in every single area of our lives to get it right through societal pressures I'm sure but I think we put a ton of pressure on ourselves and that obviously I think 
brings itself out in us not feeling like we're quite good enough. And you mentioned that you're sort of an imposter syndrome. Um, I guess I'm curious because we all feel that. I still feel it sometimes uh, in various different areas. I said to someone the other day, like, oh, yeah, but I'm doing this. And then I'm also like trying to be a mother. And they're like, no, 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 you are a mother. Like, oh, yeah, shoot. (laughs) I'm not just pretending. I am. Um, So I guess for, again, in that business space as a woman, for anyone listening to this, how have you sort of overcome some of those pressures that you put on yourself? It is a daily struggle. Um, It's I'm just personally a pretty type a person who puts a lot of pressure on myself. Um, I deal with a lot of anxiety and have always had to find ways to kind of channel it and remind myself that it's in here and nobody else is putting it on me, especially because I've been lucky enough to have such a supportive family supportive friends and just environment around me. Um, a lot of it's in my head and I know that. So I've had to just figure out ways to compartmentalize that and keep myself mentally healthy. Um, I know you guys have had a lot of conversations about that too, which I've really appreciated. Um, There's a lot of imposter syndrome and especially coming from a career. I used to work in social media marketing, but in the hospitality space. So it was client services. And I like to think I was very good at my job, but there's not a ton of correlation other than just the client services, working with a customer um, and the exchange of goods or services but being at the helm and doing everything from answering phone calls to shipping out to thinking about where I want to be 10 years from now and scaling and this, that, and the other, it's just very overwhelming, but taking a step back and reminding myself that everybody who's in whatever position they are, I like to think about it more niche in the golf space, didn't get there just by waking up one day. Um, And I'd like to remind myself that most people are feeling the same way. Um, And nobody really knows what they're doing at the end of the day. So just talking to people like you guys and seeing some of the other amazing people in golf, just putting their mind to what they're doing and doing incredible things just reminds me to take it one step at a time. Think about the future in the back of my mind always, but don't try to do everything at once because then I'll never get anything done. Mm. But it's, it's um it's something that's always top of mind that I'm working on. The the thought of or the concept that no one really knows what they're doing, I think is I don't know about you guys, but as I get like further and further along in my career and you meet these people that you, you know, you've looked up to and you think they have all their shit together and they have all the answers and then maybe you get to spend time with them and you're like No, you're like, oh, like they also have imposter syndrome or they also, you know, don't have all the answers or, and then, you you know, you'll pick their brains and they'll be like, yeah, I, you know, I just, I just kind of figured it out. And someone else was, was, uh, kind enough to give me a leg up. And it's just like, so much is so much of this. It's like, it looks like from the outside that everybody is super polished and especially with social media, everybody looks like they've got all their ducks in a row, but there's a lot that under the surface and everybody is, st- is just struggling with the, with the same things, you know, yeah. whether it's the imposter syndrome or trying to stay organized, getting enough rest, uh, stay- being confident, all that stuff. Like everybody's dealing with the same issues. It's just until you actually have the opportunity to talk to someone and get close enough to pick their brain, do you actually kind of figure out that like, oh, everyone's human. Everyone's just trying to get by. (laughs) It's really wild. And it's really wild. The correlations between that feeling in business and that feeling in golf. 
and only, you know, a select niche group of people like you guys, me, other people I surround myself with who are golf obsessed can really get it. That imposter syndrome and golf, I see it more in women, just the thought that like, you're not good enough to keep up with, you know, the group in front of you, or I can't play in this member member or club championship because I'm not good enough. I can't do that. The correlations between the two is crazy. And I, I definitely see it in me in both areas, but just reminding myself in business and on the golf course that like everybody shanks it, everybody needs to take them all again every now and then everybody like just that reminder that nobody's expecting you to go out and win at Augusta. Like it's just a game and let's have fun with it. I'm constantly reminding myself of that, but it's, I see it in both areas. It's crazy that it kind of those paths run parallel in both areas. Just on the golf note, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to play Pebble beach for the first time, which was amazing, especially alongside champions tour players. Uh And I don't think I highly doubt that Steve Alker is going to listen to this podcast. I mean, he might Steve really enjoyed playing with you. It was incredible. You're an amazing golfer. He's leading the Charles Schwab, Charles Schwab rankings right now. So I think he'll be fine. If I, if he heard that I said this, but (laughs) we're on the seventh hole Pebble beach. He is eighth. So excuse me, six hole Pebble beach. He is leading the event. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's either second or he's leading the event going for the green with a wood, um, straight up duffs it duffs a like five wood or something or hybrid or whatever it was literally ground before ball Mm -hmm. ball goes about 30 yards in the air lands before the hazard and dribbles in the water and it was almost so bad it was amazing like I was like oh my god like and it was also awesome because he went on he almost won the tournament like he went on to um he needed to make a putt in the last hole to go into a playoff but it just reminds you that even the people that are at the top of their game literally at the top of the you know the golf world that everybody makes you know hits bad shots and you sometimes you just don't see obviously they may put that one on tv but they might not but a lot of times you only see the best shots the the people's accomplishments and you never see the the like you said the shanks the duffs the the sort of head in your hands. Oh my God, how am I going to handle this situation? But yeah, everybody does it. Everybody does it. Scott, so what you said though, just right off the tee. And I mean, his bad comparatively to my bad is probably a lot different, but you knew that it was the worst shot he'd hit in weeks. And they probably only aired it because it was a team event, but it, you're right. It's just, it just, you know, it just happens slightly yet less. I think that's what it comes down to is like figuring out your tendencies and, and, and sort of making sure it happens less and minimizing things and you get better as you go along, but it's still, no one's ever going to be perfect. Right. And that's something that I've gotten better with. I'm proud of myself. It's something that I keep working on that nobody cares about your game as much as you do. And it definitely has kept me from opportunities, me, the way I feel about things. Like even just this summer, I didn't play in our clubs, club championship, wins women's club championship, just because I didn't feel like my game was where it needed to be. I was having bunker yips. I couldn't putt to save my life. And then only a few people played. They had a blast. All of them who ran into me said, why didn't you play? We had so much fun. Nobody talked about what they shot, but I kept myself from it because in my head I thought, oh gosh, I've got a little ways to go before I'm ready. And I kick myself for that opportunity and other opportunities that I missed out on just because I thought I'm not good enough. I can't keep up. 
And I feel like so many people, especially women keep, and even those who don't play golf, don't get into it for maybe that reason. And it's a bummer. And I'm here to tell you, just push through it and get into it. It's worth it. I think, uh, everyone hits shanks or everyone shanks it could definitely be a brand name Mm -hmm. that has some legs in it um but that's i always say that golf mirrors life and it's so true time and time again you see it it's sometimes in the conversation that you guys were just having i didn't genuinely know if we were talking about golf or life or business i didn't either i was like what (laughs) All like which but it's are we talking about literal or figurative shanks here <laughs> yeah but i mean the thing is that's what exactly to my point the golf does mirror life it gives you so many great life skills and i think one of the big things as well is just going back to basics like i had a a week in the studio the other day for no reason i was just terrible couldn't say any of my words sentences that I was saying was rubbish there was long silence I just couldn't get it together and come Saturday so this is Thursday through Sunday come Saturday I was starting to doubt myself mm. thinking can I do this da, 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 da. and I'm like no let's just go back to basics we'll take little baby steps and baby wins and then just keep building off of that so I literally thought back to what would I do when I played golf and that was to just do little things and prove to myself that I could and it was more about performing under pressure because obviously I can talk and I can I know what I'm talking about with golf but for some reason I was just getting a little bit anxious mm-hmm. and I think it's again another point is being really honest with yourself because I could have just written that off and been like nah 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 but actually yeah there was despite the fact I've been doing this for seven years there was a little bit of pressure that for whatever reason I was putting myself under and that was getting to me and I, I at that moment wasn't performing to it. Mm-hmm. So I just thought back to, all right, when I was performing under pressure with golf, what things did I do that worked well for me? And that was just take one moment in time. Maybe that was hitting a drive over water on the right when you've been missing it right all day and hitting the fairway. And that you just got to chuck that in the memory bank and go, yes, I did that. So now let's build from there. And I did that on Sunday with the show um Saturday and Sunday and by Sunday I had nailed it and I came away from the week feeling incredible from what could have been a really shitty week but actually I was just really honest with myself went back to basics and just slowly started building again and that's someone who like me I've been in the industry seven years and I still went back to that and it's still (laughs) related to golf but that was completely different but there's so many skills like transferable skills that you can use and I, I think you know I'm sharing that story as well so that you know, to what you guys were saying, that no one has it all figured out. No one does things perfectly all the time. We all stumble and fall occasionally, and it's absolutely fine to know that. And it wasn't a reflection on me long-term of like, oh my God, can I do this job anymore? Even though those thoughts did creep into my mind, you know, I think it's just about uh, a part of being human and just going, all right, I have my flaws here, but I'm just going to go back to scratch and start building again and we'll get there. Mm-hmm, for sure. I really like that. And I think it's kind of inspiring and a nice reminder that yes, you can mess up and you're not perfect. It's not the end of the world, but you do still need to work hard and find your way. I think it's hard, especially in this social media world. I totally get in my head and think, well, that person did that so fast. How did they see that overnight success? And it's just not reality. Um, My parents have always instilled hard work in me and my siblings and not being handed anything. 
Um, and you know, as lucky as I am to have had the opportunities in golf, it's always, it's nice to have a reminder that it's just, you don't get anywhere without that work. And even when you have, like you said, been in the industry for seven years, you still got to push yourself every now and then to keep getting better golf and life. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Golf and life. Both, 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 both. Um, Jan, well, before we let you go, tell people where they can find your incredible head covers. Thank you. Um, jancraigheadcovers.com is the best place to find us. Um, I always like to say that that's just a starting place. We've got a great design tool on there. Um, I feel like we haven't even covered the head covers. I've just talked about so much other stuff. Everything we make is 100% hand knit. Um, we have a team of women in Chicago who knit literally every stitch by hand. It's always been that way. So we're also totally customizable because of that. So you can go online and kind of design from scratch. Um, You can also give us a call. I will always be the one to pick up the phone and we can talk through your design and your vision and colors and whatever you have in mind. Um, We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Jan Craig Golf. Um, Facebook as well, for those who still use it. I know I do. I'm an older millennial. Um, But the, the website, I'd say, is the best place to start. And our, like Hallie said, our family story, the company story is there too. So I encourage everybody to dig into it and learn a bit, a little bit more about my amazing grandma. I will literally be doing that right now. I love it. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure having you on and hearing not just your family story, but your story as well and your insights. You're so incredibly inspiring. So thank you for spending your time with us here on the podcast. And uh, I hope our paths cross again soon in this small little world that we call golf. Thank you guys. I'm, I'm sure that they will. And I really appreciate you having me on. This is, I know I said it, but I'm a voracious podcast listener and yours is one of my favorites. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. Penny, that was awesome. What a cool woman. I can't believe that being in golf, I didn't even know that story. And I'm just so thankful that now we do know that story and just all of the players that use their head covers. I think it, when she was talking, it was like, a, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And when she said about Ryder Cup, I was like, I've seen these head covers. That's so cool. I mean, you've seen them everywhere. And listen, this is not an ad, but I will just say the head covers that I have, because I've had knit head covers before, and a lot of them get, um, you know, like you're walking with your golf bag on your back, and then it kind of falls off. Mm. And this thing is like sturdy. And how cool that they're knitted by a bunch of women in Chicago. I just think that's, that's awesome. But Penny, one thing I wanted to wrap up with, which I thought was really interesting, because I, I didn't, I mean, we really just went deep on the, on the golf first life. I really did not know if we were talking about golf or life <laughs> for a minute. I was like, wait, figurative or literal shanks. I'm not sure. But, um, I thought that was really a cool, uh, cool story that you shared about how, you know, you're in the studio and kind of getting in your head a little bit. Mm. And I do people, a lot of times people say like, what's something that golf has taught you and sure, you know, patience and uh, honesty and all that kind of stuff. But what golf, I, I really truly believe, you know, golf is so incredible for so many reasons, whether it be networking or, um, per, like I said before, perseverance, all the things that you think about when it comes to the, the mm. qualities that golf helps you develop. But what it, the biggest thing that it has given me is, the, you know how they like, I'm going to, they always say, I think it's like some probably philosophers like know thyself, 
you know, and that mm-hmm. for me, golf, just spending the hours and hours and hours alone in my head on a mm-hmm. golf course, like similar to you, my same exact tendencies when I'm under pressure with a camera in my face or uh, doing a podcast or whatever, my same exact tendencies on the golf course manifests itself in any other situations. Mm. Like for me, when I get really nervous, I break into a cold sweat and I start, my hands get really tight and I start swinging really fast. And that is the same exact thing that happens to me when I get nervous in what I do now, Mm. my brain goes blank, my body tightens up and I talk a mile a minute and I just can't, (laughs) it's like the wheels are falling off. And, and I have to honestly go back and just like you said, be like, what do I do when on the golf course, when I feel under pressure and what do I do when I feel myself start to spiral, like how mm-hmm. do I ground myself again? And so I just thought that was really cool that you shared that because I think that is such something that's not talked about enough. It's like, if you play a lot of golf, you really get to know yourself and mm-hmm. what your tendencies are and you know, how to, how to manage those. Yeah. I, it's such a good point. I just think, Hey, I want to share those things because uh, to what Jan was saying, like, I think it is important to be honest and let people know that I think I'm good at my job and I get great feedback and most of the time it goes well. Um, but sometimes it doesn't and that's absolutely okay, you know? <laughs> and I, I think it's important to share that and be open and honest with that. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely, to your point, pull so heavily on everything I learned through golf. And sometimes you know, like in the studio, um, a part of that story that I didn't say was that I won a couple times, but could have won more, to be honest, and a few times came up short. Um, and that was predominantly mental versus, um, you know, I, I had the ability. And a lot of people kept saying, like, you have so much talent. Why aren't you winning more? Just obviously sort of fueling that narrative for me. Um, and so that was part of my self-doubt that sort of crept in. It was like, oh, okay, I guess you couldn't perform at golf and now you can't perform here. Like mm. you have a performance issue. And so another thing I've really learned since stopping playing golf actually is being really kind to myself and not being so hard on myself and learning not just skills from golf, but the error of my ways in golf. Cause I think if I was a bit kinder to myself, when I was playing and had mistakes, that was actually a really big thing I learned from spending so much time with Tiger is sometimes he would just have a bad day and I would always ask him afterwards. So what are you going to do? How do you analyze that? And all the next day, how did you feel about that? What did you do afterwards? What did you work on? And most of the time he would just go, nothing. I just dropped it. And that was so unfathomable to me that someone would just have a shocker of a day or have some element of their game whether you want to call game golf game or any other type of game work game go so wrong and then not work on it and not think about it. And I just think that's such a massive underrated skill of his. And it really taught me uh, a lot when it came to, all right, now some days I might be really bad and not perform well, and I just got to drop it and that's okay. And just move on and uh, actually learn from the error of my ways because golfing me would have gone to the range and hit a million balls and told myself I wasn't good enough and um, 
now uh, this is sort of opportunities for me to do things differently so on that Sunday I said to myself like no just be kind to yourself you can do this you've done it in the past let's just go back to basics little building blocks and like I said I absolutely smashed it on Sunday and came away feeling great that's awesome that's awesome yeah being kind to yourself that is something that I think is so underrated because I mean like completely honest. Well, we're getting, we're getting really vulnerable on this episode here. <laughs> that is honestly something that I like I'm working on with my therapist. Like mm. I am so mean to myself, like mm. ho- the things I say to myself, I would never in a million years say to any, and they always say like, talk to yourself as if you're your best friend. Right. And I try to tell myself that all the time, but like, I, the, I just beat myself up over the, the things that aren't that big a deal and like hold myself to like, it's, it's such a double-edged sword because I really do think to be successful, you need to hold yourself to a very high standard, mm. but at the same time, you could, you'll be miserable if you're not nice to yourself, you know, and you're <laughs> right. not, if you just are constantly just like looking at yourself, like, wow, you're such a piece of shit because you didn't, you didn't do X, Y, Z well, mm. and man, it can just be brutal. And it's like, I, I do think it's important to be, like you said, like, that's just, things in, in, in golf, like such parallels, you know, like you can't, mm. and, and I'm like, okay, if Tiger Woods is just letting things go, like that, I should be letting things go, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting. Cause I have also been incredibly hard on myself. And like you said, I think to be successful, you sort of have to be, yeah. um, but the, the real turning point for me was having Kaya. And then recently this year, me thinking about what voice do I want her to have and hear, mm. um, do I want her to hear? And that comes with sort of two different things. One completely unrelated, we won't get into. It's about sort of food and body image and mm. um, that voice, because you do say things that you think in your mind. And yes. then uh, as it pertains to work and ability and praising myself. Um, so now so, so it was funny that same week in the studio, I was working with Trish Johnson and she won't mind that I'm saying this conversation. She, a golfer said, uh, are they, they said they're proud of, I think actually the interviewer asked, are you proud of yourself for da 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 And she goes, I would never say that. What a terrible question. I would never say that I'm proud of myself for something. And I was like, no, I would. And I do. And I, I genuinely sometimes like, I, I'll tell you, Thursday through Saturday that week, I sucked. Sunday, I smashed it. I was awesome. And I'm proud of myself for how I overcame those challenges. And yeah. so just, just those little things, I think, again, just baby building blocks. Um, I think are so underrated and important because you don't have to get everything right. You don't have to go from super hard on yourself to your own best friend that same day. You know, it can be a work of a lifetime or a few years, but just slowly just saying nice things to yourself, I think really pays off. Yeah, for sure. I can, I completely agree. I completely agree. Well, honey, this has been quite the episode. Um, yes. thoroughly it's been enjoyed. a long one. Sorry, but it's been good no, stuff. No, this has been great. It's been great. I mean, I have therapy later, but I feel like I just had it. So like, <laughs> I, I, I had mine my on uh, Friday, just gone, and spent the rest of the day crying. So I, I, <laughs> it was awesome. We really got <laughs> dug deep and got into some stuff. Um, but I hope that yours goes better. Uh, it's gonna, it'll be, it'll be <laughs> I'm happy to so. have got you started. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, this is my second. Yeah, you got me warmed up for later. (laughs) Ready to go. 
<laughs> I love it. Um, All right, guys, we'll leave you there. Um, Hallie, I'm very excited to see you soon in London for our fry up and to meet Billy in person. Um, and you can hear Kaya's little Essex accent. Um, and you guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, it's always so wonderful to hear your feedback. It really is. I know so many of you reach out on social media. So thank you. Keep on reaching out. Uh, I'm at Henny Coy. And I'm at Hallie Led. And we'll speak to you next time.